This is Voices of Lancashire, a podcast about migrants who live in Lancashire and made their home here. I am your host, Lara Mumesso. I live in Lancashire and I am an Italian migrant myself. Voices of Lancashire is born out of my personal experience, which I am sure is shared by many other immigrants. How many times have people asked us the question, where are you from? And how many times have the same people made assumptions about who we are and what we do here, precisely because of our nationality? Assumptions that do not necessarily correspond to our life stories. Out of this experience, I decided to create Voices of Lancashire, a space where migrants who live in Lancashire talk about their life stories, why and how they moved to Lancashire, their impressions of this part of the world, their ambitions and their everyday life experiences in a place that has become their permanent or temporary home. For this first series, Voices of Lancashire will consist of 12 episodes published fortnightly, each with an immigrant living in one of Lancashire County districts. If you are an immigrant interested to know more about the experiences of other fellow immigrants or a local interested to know more about the life experiences of your new neighbors, this podcast is definitely for you. Follow me. Hi, everyone. Today's episode is with Alessandro, an Italian guy from Schio, a small town in the northeast of Italy. Alessandro arrived in Lancashire nine years ago to work as a nurse. Thank you so much for being with us, Alessandro, today. Alessandro, you live uh, in a place which most probably I will misread with my Italian accent is Thornton, Clevelis, <laughs> at the border between Blackpool and Wire districts. is famous for its mythic cost artwork trail, which brought to life also the children's book, The Sea Swallow, and is also famous for its clean and long beaches where you can enjoy beautiful sunsets and admire migrating birds. This sounds like a dream place, Alessandro. Can you describe Thornton Clevelis to someone who has never been there? And how is it different or similar to where you come from? To be honest with you, you gave me a hint about uh, the sea swallow because this morning I went for a walk with my one-year-old boy on the sea side, on the promenade, and there was a lot of signs about those sea swallows. That I didn't know what they were about. Now I know. Yes. Space is famous for that. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because uh, being from Italy is quite weird, after nine years as well, to be called guy at my age, because I'm nearly 46. Here, an 85 years old boy is a guy, but not where I come from. So thank you for the guy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've been here nine years and the differences are massive because I come from a small city in the mountains and now I live in the seaside. I have to deal with different things. I've grown up watching, I mean, looking around my house and watching mountains, seeing mountains and things like that. And now I don't see any of them. Yeah, actually, you mentioned the people are different as well. In which way are people in Thornton, Cleveland different from people in Skio? I can't say that I come from a place where the typical Italian people live, because being in a small place in the mountains, everybody knows Italians like people open-minded or really warm people and inviting people. Probably they are, 
but not in the place where I come from because they are really cold. <laughs> and <laughs> just for me to make an example, uh, when I speak about my background to the people I work with, they think that I have a big family, but I have no cousins, for example. And w- when I have a family meeting, it's about seven people. So they are not that different from the people I know here where I come from. Biggest difference is that probably you speak about the weather when you meet somebody. As I told you before, I go quite often for a walk every, almost every day when it's sunny. When you meet somebody, you always say hi, good morning. So you always speak about the weather or things like that. I mean, it's easier having a young boy. Or even if I had a dog, for example, it is easier with chatting with people. And this is something that doesn't really happen in Italy because, yes, you say hi, but you never stop really talking with anybody. And here it happens pretty frequently. For example, this morning, I stopped chatting with a lady because my son was singing and she asked me what he was singing. That's something unusual in our country. So it's the stereotype. It's the opposite way around. I mean, people think that people living in the north side of uh, Europe geographical Europe, so Sweden, England, and Denmark, places like that is really cold. And it's the opposite way around in the South, but for me, it's exactly the other way. Yeah, thank you so much for this point. Um, I just got a little child. When you have little children, the way you integrate with the local community is also very different. So it might be also a matter that in Italy you didn't have children and you had this different way also of relating to the broader context. I, I, I met people I never spoke to before and now they speak to me simply because I go out with my child and he talks to everyone and everyone talks to me. That can be the difference, yeah. And very interesting point, uh, precisely breaking down those stereotypes we have about North and South and Northern and Southern people. So Alessandro, you came to Lancashire because of your work. So can you tell us what you do for a living here and how did you arrive here? I've always been a traveler. I mean, I lived in, in Australia. When I came back, I decided to become a nurse because I thought it was a good idea. When I was in Australia, I was living with a Japanese nurse and I've seen her really enjoying her job. I decided that that could be something good for me. So I came back in Italy and I started nursing. Then I met another, another girl. When we finished our school we had to decide where to go basically to leave and to find a job it's not difficult to find a job as a nurse in italy but we were looking for two jobs not only for one one for me one for her so it's pretty difficult to accommodate to different people doing this job because a nurse works days and nights and holidays and if you go in the wrong pattern you don't see each other anymore and so we couldn't decide where to go, first of all. And we just answered an advertising on Facebook, actually, to be honest with you. They were looking for nurses in, in Italy from here. We've done an interview and we came here. The Lancashire for me is casual. It's not planned, you know what I mean? I didn't know where I was going. I mean, they asked me if I wanted to go to Preston or Blackpool. I didn't know either of them. They told me in Blackpool there's the sea. Okay, let's go there. That's actually very interesting. You say I didn't know anything about Preston and Blackpool. That's more or less the same experience for me as well. There was a job opportunity in Preston. I didn't even know where Preston is. I took a flight to do the interview and then here I am six years after. But I'm quite curious about, you said actually before coming here, you you lived in Australia. So I'm curious about the reason why 
you left Italy in the first place. So what brought you away from where you live? The effort, the commitment that you need to do everything in Italy, it's massive compared to the results that you can have. You have to work a life to obtain half or less than the thing that you deserve of you or you can obtain somewhere else. The difficulty, therefore, to either have a career or progress in your life, do I understand correctly? Yeah. I see. Yeah. And uh, you choose first Australia? How did you choose Australia? My best friend was there. So I thought, at least I know somebody. I slept in his apartment for three days and then I've never seen him anymore. <laughs> found the job and I just worked, actually. In the Australian way of life, and you can find also, in, I suppose in America, a little bit less in England, but there's a thing called workaholic. They work a lot of hours. They work every time, any time. So, I mean, I've been in Australia for almost two years, but I've never seen anything out for out of my workplace, actually, because I arrived on Thursday and started working on Monday, and I finished working on Sunday, and I left on Tuesday. I haven't seen anything in Australia. And I used to work about at least 60, 60 hours a week, and my maximum was 85. So 85 hours a week means a lot of hours. But you were not a nurse when you were in Australia. So my other question is... I was a chef, yeah. As you told me before, you, got a, you went back to Italy, you got a degree in nursing in Italy. So why did you decide to get a degree in nursing? And why in Italy, for example, you could have done it in Australia or somewhere else? I thought to do, to do it there, but it was about $20,000 per year. <laughs> so in, in Italy, it's for free. There's about $60,000 gap between Australia and Italy. And so I said, why don't... Why don't you go back? I mean, I, I, I wanted to go back. and It's just the easiest way to do the same thing. At the time, because I'm 40, 45 years old now, I was supposed to go for one year in the army, but I didn't like the idea to become a soldier. So I decided to spend a year in a nursing home. And I remember all of them. I mean, all of the people that I met there. That was a nice experience. And speaking with my partner when I was in Australia, that she was a nurse, as I told you, she just lighted my fire, you know, if you know what I mean. I said, okay, I want to do that. It is actually very interesting. And I'm also curious about your family, your parents' view or appreciation towards your choice of leaving before in Australia, then going back and then leaving again for England. Was it something that they appreciated? Until it was a temporary thing, they were happy for me. When they realized that it was probably permanent, they started changing their opinion. They're not happy that I have two kids growing here. I'm only speaking in Italian to them. I only watch Italian television programs just because I won't be able to speak with their grandparents. But anyway, they are not happy. I mean, I have a brother and he used to live in Portugal. So they were used to have people, I mean, kids around the world. But one has gone, has gone back. The other one has uh, remained away. How do you negotiate this with you, even within yourself? I try not to think about it, to be honest with you. And I ring them pretty often. And they keep saying, you had everything here. Actually, pretty true. I had a house there and I had somebody helping me. But the reason is that they don't understand the real reason why I'm here. And they will never understand that. Because they've grown up in a different way. They've remained all their life in the same place. When you start traveling, I don't mean going for a holiday, like one month, two months. You see that the world is bigger than what you think. Never go back. 
And I remember when I went back to Italy after Australia, I had to find a job for before starting selling anything for about three, four months. And I remember it was in a call center, something like that. And it was an extremely stressful job. I remember that they they, they used to send us a lot of emails saying you have to sell more, you have to sell more. And I remember people around me, people are really stressed. And I used to sell pretty pretty well actually. And the reason was that I didn't care at all. I used to ring people, chat with them, and then maybe after 20 minutes, oh, yeah, and now I remember why. I have to tell you something, sorry. So I used to sell more of the other people, and they used to hate me about that because of that. But the reason was that I knew that there was a world after the world outside. So if that wasn't the right choice, it was not a problem. So the, my, my parents, as I told you, they never understood the reason why I'm here. And it's not because I have more money. That's not the case. I'm a nurse. I will never be rich being a nurse. It's just because I can't choose my shifts. I work only three shifts a week. I mean, four days, four whole days a week. I've spent with my kids. I go out with them. I go to play with them. I cook for them. Make them a bath. I spend hours and hours and hours with them. I will never say in my life, I didn't spend any, any time with my kids. That's something that I thought my father was going to understand because he had an heart attack about four years ago. It's fine now. He thought he was going to die like everybody. At that point of his life, he spent all his life chasing the career. Nice job, nice social position, the best car. When he wasn't that bad in the hospital, he said, at least I've grown up my kids. And that was the only thought that he had in that moment. And that's why the career is not my point, but my kids are my point. And that's the reason why I'm here, actually. Because if I was in Italy, being a nurse, I probably had to work about six days a week. I have a friend that started because I started nursing when I was 31, 2, 30. Well, years ago. She was my same age with a kid. I met her after the degree. I met her when she found a job in Italy. And she was complaining, not because of the money, like everybody does in Italy, but because her son was constantly moaning because he he wasn't seeing her anymore. She was always working, always working, or tired because of the job, always working, always working. That's why I told you before that that workaholic pattern, it's true in Australia, it's true probably in America, but it's not entirely true here. Because I've heard many, many times here in the UK, people saying family comes first. And nobody will complain if you say, I'm going home because my son is sick. You can lose a job in Italy if you don't like that. I wonder if you can share with us how is uh, a day as a nurse in one of the Lancashire hospitals where you work. So tell us a little bit about your job, what you do. My job is busy. Being a nurse is really busy. I'm self-employed now. I work for the NHS, but I change every day. So it depends which world they work in. If you are in IME, it's mental. You work about you. You can walk about twenty-five thousand steps a day, which is about fifteen miles. You know, I'm overweight, so I went to the doctor. He said you should you should walk at least ten ten thousand steps a day. I said I wish I could. I work about I walk about twice those steps a day, at least. So it's really busy. You go there early, really early in the morning, like at six, and I finish at about nine. Yeah, just uh, as a curiosity, what are the relationship with your colleagues and also maybe if you have any examples about what you see and learn about uh, England or Lancashire from the perspective of your job. As I told you before, I work for the NHS. Well, I think it's the second biggest company in, in the world. 
it has about five millions employed people. And I'd say that many of them are from abroad. A nurse is a job that not everybody wants to do. So you can find proper English people being physiotherapists, occupational therapists, HCA or doctors, but nursing, it's pretty difficult to find an English nurse. They are mainly from abroad. And then when they, when the people from abroad come here in, in England, they start working in Blackpool, but then they leave because they are usually young and they prefer the bigger town. So they go to Manchester, they go to Liverpool, they go to London because they are better paid. I've learned about nothing from my colleagues <laughs> because they are from India or from Philippines. But I've learned a lot about UK from the patients. It's a weird moment in life. When you go in the hospital, you're not yourself. You can be scared. You can be fragile. It's not the real you. Yeah, very vulnerable. Or maybe it's the real you and outside you see the fake you. But what you see outside is not what you see inside of the hospital. I deal with the really private parts and private personal thought of the people. People dying. I mean, I see people crying every day. You don't see people crying outside, you know. Yeah, it must be a very challenging and demanding also emotionally, not just physically or intellectually. Environment, I would say. I remember once I was looking after the lady that she was end of life. And her song was about same age of my first song, about six years old. And I remember this little guy that started crying. And I started crying as well. And I had to go home. I couldn't stop. Empathy is a part, important part of my job, but if it is too strong, it's, it's a handicap. They need people with a lot of empathy, but they need people working as well. You have to be there, but you have to be strong. And not always is possible. Thank you, Alessandro, for this example. I have another question. Before coming here to England, what were your preconceptions about this either country or place? And I wonder if they changed once you came here and if they changed, how? I didn't have a lot of preconceptions about English people. Well, I thought that the tea was proper tea, a mug. (laughs) I realized that the tea is actually like a dinner. They eat, actually. So I thought, oh, my God. That's not a tea, that's a full meal. <laughs> I guess all immigrants get wrong with the tea, the concept of tea. I thought that everybody was really polite, and actually they are. It's something that I, I really like. People say that they don't know what they are really thinking. This kindness that they have with the unknown people. You're walking on the street, they speak to you, but you don't really know what they are thinking about you. And you know what? At my age, it's something, it's something that I like. I don't care what they think about me. I just care to have smiling people around me. I had some preconceptions about food, actually. But I'm from Italy, so my background is pretty toxic about food. We think that we eat the best food in the world. and Well, we don't, actually, in my opinion. I thought that food was everything before coming here. People here think that food is just like petrol in the engine. I was shocked that the people say love to everybody. Hi, love. Love. <laughs> love me. Do you know me? <laughs> I love it once uh, they call me I love in the shops. Sweetie pie, sweetie. <laughs> I think he, this is very peculiar of the northern part. In the south, they do it as well, but not as much as here. I feel it much stronger here. But Alessandro, can I ask you too? Because I remember you mentioned to me the example of freedom, the land of freedom. 
And the, the, when we were having a chat, would you like to share it? Do you remember? Everything started with the Beatles, actually. And I'm really proud to live in a place where the Beatles sang for the first time yesterday, about 55 years ago. We started thinking in Italy that everything that was cool was starting here in UK. Everything was moving from UK to other places in Europe. I don't know if it is true. Probably it is, yeah, from mu- musical point of view. That, that's true because music here is way better than music in Italy. And that song I was speaking about is... Yeah, Viva l'Inghilterra, Pace, Donne, Amore, Libertà. Yeah, that's true, actually. I feel free. I feel a lot more freedom in my daily life here than in Italy. I don't know if I told you the other time, but in Italy you have to be scared about the, the police, for example. But I mean, Italy is a land with about 70,000 laws. 70,000 laws. So if the police stops you for any reason, they can always find something wrong. Always. It depends from the mood of the policeman. You can end up going in front of a court, just tiny little stupid reason. That's another thing that I was surprised about. People chatting with the police. I was in Manchester, in the center of Manchester, but there was a police guy and i started chatting with him about about my song i was shocked i was shocked and everything i I think starts from there because in italy you can't speak to the police you can't you have to be scared about them (laughs) yeah that's a different relationship with uh, authority same with professors at university authority yes authority that's another thing that I started realizing about a couple of weeks ago, actually. So after nine years being a nurse, I've always acted differently from Italy. But you know that when you speak with a higher grade than you in your job in Italy, you have to be really careful of the word you use or of how you act with him. Because he can change your life in a good way or in a bad way. It depends what you do. He doesn't act like that. It doesn't happen at all like that. I mean, you can speak with a, your boss like he's an ordinary guy. It can affect you only according to the laws, if you know what I mean. So he's a guy that if he does something wrong, you can tell. I had to tell in my job to a doctor a couple of times that they were doing something wrong. I couldn't do that in Italy. Yeah, I always think about this simply in um, language terms. Think about in Italy, we have a third person, the lei. Here is all on the second person, is all you. In Italy, we have an additional layer to show respect to the other person when he's older, he's from a higher position, and so on and so forth. And this is completely horizontal, the relationship between, for example, I teach between me and my student. There is not that gap that there was between me and my professors when I was at university. And this eventually applies to the rest, also to many other relationships in society. Yeah, you know what I like to think about the second person? That is not the second person singular, but it's the second person plural. So we are respectful to everybody at the same level, so horizontally respectful to everybody. You can be rude, you can be polite with somebody in Italy, on the way you speak, you have to be really polite with everybody here on the way you speak at any time. You can't say Swedish to your boss. Yeah, of course. So, Alessandro, another couple of questions. I, one is, is there anything interesting that you learned here and that you particularly like? I love the cars. 
it's not that I learned about the cars. I went, when, when I was in Italy, I knew about the, the cars, and I thought that it was, a, it was a stupid thing. Then I received one. And I, th- I, th- I said, oh, my God, it's nice to receive a card. <laughs> so I started sending them, and I'm happy to do that. And I can't wait to receive my cards on my birthday. It's really nice. What, what have I learned in nine years? Well, the way you drive in this place is completely different from the way you drive in Italy, for example. I'm scared now to drive in Italy because here everybody respects the rules. Yeah, 99.9%. You always find the guy that doesn't do it. But if you respect the rules, it, it's a it's a better environment. And you know what? Speaking about the relationship with the authority, it happened something something happened to me about two weeks ago. I don't know if I told you, but I've been stopped by the police on an evening. I was coming home from a really busy shift in IME after 13 hours and a half in IME. I was coming home and I I wasn't watching my documentary. I don't remember how how quick I was. Half nine in the evening, I've seen the lights. I said, okay, I have a fine now. I was ready to have a fine. Then there was this police officer that asked me, do do you know how quick you were going? I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm too tired. I was coming home from I'm coming home from a really busy shift and I, I wasn't watching. Sorry. And she just told me to be careful and drive slowly. And because she was polite with me, I I think I will never go quick again in my life. Because for the first time somebody in that position, a lot higher than I was polite with me. You know, I said, I said, you know what? I will never exceed the speed anymore. I wasn't I wasn't probably doing it purposely, but I'm more focused on my speed now. If I was in Italy, I probably had about five fines, one for this, one for that, one for the other thing. Then my approach was probably different, like, oh, they catch me this time. Next time I will be more, you know, focused on not let them catch me. But that was not something that changed my behavior. A fine is not the way to move people to another approach. Yeah, sometimes we also need fines, but yeah, I understand your concept. So you've been here in Lancashire for the last nine years of your life. Yeah. I wonder if you feel like you belong here. I've never thought about that, to be honest with you. What I can tell you is that I feel that I don't belong anymore to my hometown where I come from. I'm happy to see my family, but I don't care about the place where I, I come from. And because I sometimes sometime I drive home because I, I like to spend time with my kids, as I told you. So this summer, for example, I've been driving for six days in Europe with my kid, with my son, six, six years old, speaking and chatting about life. It has been amazing. But when I've seen the Dover, you know, the docks in Dover, I thought I'm home. And that was the first time in my life that I thought something like that. Oh, my God, something changed in me. I've never said I'm I'm at home when I actually go at home. But I felt safe when I've seen Dover, actually, for the first time. So in some way, you feel like you belong. Yeah. You know, when you move from your hometown because of the job, the beginning can be quite challenging. And you start thinking, I don't like this. I don't like that. You don't really appreciate everything. But then with the time, you can find nice things everywhere. For example, uh, last week, always for the same reason, because I like to, like to spend money with my kids. I've been for a camping trip with my son in Wales. In amazing places. Amazing. Living abroad change your respect. But I, I can't say I belong here, I belong there. I felt home when it seemed over. So 
This brings me to the very last question. Do you think or plan to return to your hometown or maybe Italy eventually? I will stay with my kids. If they want to move somewhere, I will go with them. Yeah, that's a lovely answer, which I think eventually is something that many people who migrate to to different places, eventually you have a different perspective of what is home. It's not anymore something physical, geographical. That's the point. Home is a group of people for me. It's not a place. I have that beautiful feeling and seeing daughter actually, but home is my family. Who knows if they want to go back to Italy? How we go there with them? No problems at all. Good. And uh, with this, I think that we can end today's interview. Alessandro, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing with us your life experience here in Lancashire. And uh, thank you to our audience for being with us and listening to this podcast. I also want to thank your son, one-year-old son who has been there with you. He has been so quiet during this interview and I really appreciate this. Thank you, everyone, and see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.